Um, this is the last talk in a series, of, um, The Rise and Fall of Empires, The Bible Told You So. And um, what we're going to look at tonight really is just an overview of <clears throat> the last three chapters of the uh, book of Daniel, because it, it, it's, a, it's one vision. It starts here in Daniel chapter 10, and it doesn't finish till the conclusion of the book. So we're just going to look at that and look and get an overview and see um, uh, and, and a picture of what Daniel was shown. Just as we read that first chapter and the start of that vision there, he sees this vision of a man. And, the, and that vision is so um, powerful and overpowering in its glory that Daniel's cast to the ground as though he's dead. And of course this vision we'll see later on is a vision of Christ and those who are with him who are going to exercise dominion of the earth. So that's what happens when mortality, which is what we all naturally are, meets immortality. There's a vast difference between the two. And the men that were with Daniel there, great fear fell on them and they were trembling. And he alone saw the vision and heard the words that were spoken unto him. So what I wanted to do to start with, I want you to notice, just um, open, we've got your um, Bibles open, just look here in Daniel chapter 10. We want to just, first of all, look at just something that says in this first verse that helps us explain to us what's in these chapters. So when we see there, um, we notice also it tells us the time setting. It's the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. So this is the last year of Daniel's life. We don't know when he died, but he received this vision in his last year, the third year of Cyrus. And you see there in the AV, it says, the thing was true, but the time appointed was a long time into the future. He was going to see things which was really, down to our day, 2,550 years further on. And just... Thinking about that for a moment, just imagine if we were sitting here, what would we imagine could happen in two and a half thousand years? We wouldn't really have a clue. I'm, not, I'm just talking in a natural way. We could comprehend what's going to happen to the nations in two and a half thousand years away. That's what this um, vision shows Daniel. And, but I want you to notice what it says in verse, verse 1 because it tells us two things that we really need to understand and that is it says, where it says the thing was true, what that there is actually, it's the word was true. And the word true there is the word emeth and it means utterly dependable. So what Daniel was going to hear was a word given to him by the angel Gabriel and it was going to be utterly dependable, Emmet. But you notice it says that he had understanding of the word. So Gabriel's going to explain to him certain things. Daniel's going to understand what Gabriel tells him. But then notice also that there's something else as well. He had understanding of the vision. And the vision really got, runs here in Daniel chapter 10, but it's not concluded, we'll see anyone, it's not concluded till in Daniel chapter 12. So there's two things here in these chapters. There's the vision that he receives, 
and there's the word he receives from Gabriel. Two separate things, not one. And that's really, we want to talk, perhaps talk about those things. Yeah, so the whole setting is um, by the river Tigris. So it talks about the, uh, um, that it was by the great, uh, verse 4, it's by the side of the great river Hadikul. But that's the river Tigris. So that's actually a picture of the river. It's, there's the actual river Tigris. And so the setting there is the river. So the vision's got a lot to do with the river. That's where he received the vision. And it talks, it's got river language in, um, in the vision itself. So just let's think about rivers for a moment. So um, I'm not used to being so far away from here. Um, so rivers are used in the word of God to represent nations. So that's a quote there from Isaiah 8, and it's talking about the Assyrian, Assyrian invasion um, of Judah. And it, see it says, it speaks about the Assyrians as they shall sweep onward into Judah, they will overflow and pass through, and he shall reach even unto the neck. So it's a picture in it's a picture that's used of a river flooding down through a land and reaching unto the neck. So this is the the language, um, I keep, is that right? <laughs> the language of the Bible as it uses uh, this is better, where it uses um, the river as a symbol. So here's another one in Revelation 16. It talks about the great river Euphrates. Now everyone, that's a common interpretation of, of that, that the river represented the Turkish Empire and it was going to recede, it's going to dry up. That was history. So here the river's used of, um, of an empire. And then... Here there's one in Revelation 17 that's used of waters. So it's the waters which you saw. This is a vision of, um, of, of a heart on, on, a, on a beast. But um, the waters where that uh, vision uh, was represented people and multitudes and nations and tongues. So the setting of the vision is a river. It's a river that represents nations. It's a, ri a river which represents empires, can be made to represent empires. It's a river that represents peoples. So that's, there's that um, setting and this idea of well, what does the river represent in this vision. Now, here's a quote from Proverbs. The control of a river. This is a, about God's control, because this is what says the Bible told you so. This is about how God controls the nations even. The king's heart. That can be any king. A king in a nation. Any king. Those who may well be kings of the future. The king's heart's in the hand of God. Or it's, it's a, like a river of water. He can just turn it whichever way he wants. That's why when the word came from Gabriel, it was so utterly dependable. God was in control. He was just going to take those kings and turn them whichever way he wanted. We're not, we're not talking about how he did that. We're just talking about that's what he did. 
So that's the idea, and that's, there's, this, there's the setting of it. The setting of it is by the river. And he sees, Daniel sees first, well that was the, that's just a sort of interpretation trying to um, perhaps see what he saw, but the first thing that Daniel saw and those other men fled from him was this vision of a man. And um, it tells us there what it was like, we read that in the reading, clothed in linen, girdle of fine gold, body like beryl, face like lightning, eyes like a lamp of fire, arm and feet of polished brass, his voice is the voice of a multitude. And quite often in the word, what happens is we're given the end picture at the start. And then we run through the sequence. And that's what Daniel's being shown. He's being shown the end of the matter when this um, man, this arm we call it the man of the one, will have absolute control over the nations, over the river. Absolute control. And it's vision of Christ and the saints in the future age. When Daniel sees that, he falls on the ground as though he's dead. That's the impact it has on him. He's meeting those who are going to be granted immortality. They're going to become part of the deity. So that's what he sees. Then what we're given is um, he receives that and then what happens is um, what we'll see is that he has, um, he's been petitioning and asking and Gabriel comes to him and says well you've been asking about this and now I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. So what he does then is this is called the, um, the word. So what this is is now in Daniel chapter 11 where Gabriel says well this is what's going to happen. You want to know what the end is for your people? What's going to happen? Well, here it is, and this is the word which um, the it says is utterly dependable. So what he does is he takes them through um, these nations. Of course, he starts um, just after Daniel, there's the Persian Empire. He runs through into Alexander. He, uh, in the time of Alexander's empire and how that was broken up, this is in Daniel chapter 11, and then he runs through to the times of what's called the King of the North and the King of the South. There's um, two empires there, either side of Israel, the King of the North and the King of the South. Um, historically, we're just skipping through. And then he comes to what's um, called the time of the end. And there, um, that's a, a, of course, it's an old picture of where Jerusalem uh, is the centre of the whole earth. So it runs through, right through to when um, that's the end of the vision. Just in some, some words there. And then when he's done that, once the angel's told him about that whole span of history, then he looks again and he sees two other men standing on the banks of the river. And he had understanding of the vision. And I think what that meant for Daniel was that he had, he, that Gabriel had shown him what was going to happen in two and a half thousand years of history. And Daniel now understood that those two men on either side of the river represented uh, the angels who would control the nations down through time. 
and so Daniel, um, uh, um, that that's the um, the vision ends um, there um, in Daniel chapter twelve. And one of the key phrases that's used in Daniel chapter twelve, and this is what Daniel wanted to know. He wanted to know what was going to be in the latter times, and it's called the time of the end, the time of the end. The time of the end. It's repeated over and over in Daniel chapter 12. And what I want you to notice is that when you go through Daniel chapter 11 and you look on the map, so it's just taking some maps off and going, this is how the history fit together so easy, that when you look at where the nation of Israel is, and particularly later on, I just want to talk about how he was concerned about the nation, the people, and the sanctuary. You see, it was downtrodden in this, uh, the Persians, then Alexander the Great, the, the um, Seleucid and Ptolemy um, empires, it has been downtrodden. So the time of the end, which he, is a phrase, must mean the time of the end of Gentile dominion over the nation of Israel and over the sanctuary, God's dwelling place. It's the time of the end of that. So if it's the time of the end of Gentile dominion, the time of the end represents the time when there is a new dominion in the earth. When Israel is restored to the land and, uh, and God dwells in the sanctuary again. So that's that phrase, the time of the end. Uh, yeah, so I'll just put that on the those. Just showing it. That, just there's the map. You see that's um, down, down uh, the nations uh, had exercised that um, period of dominion and the time of the end is when that period of dominion ceases. Um, now I just want to talk for a moment about Daniel because Daniel is the cause of the vision. I'll just show that in a minute. He's the reason why the vision, we've got the vision. I just want to talk about Daniel the man just for a minute. Because what I want, and while we're talking about Daniel the man, I just want to talk about, because um, I hadn't looked at Daniel for a little while, and I went back and thought, oh my goodness. You know, this, 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 the, 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 the maturity of Daniel, his, his constancy, how great he, a man he was, the, the calibre of, of him. Because here is in this man, because he's told he's going to stand in his lot at the end of the days and he's going to receive his inheritance. He's going to become part of that, um, that vision that he saw. He understood that at the end. Well, what's that sort of person that's going to be part of that? What are they like? And so you see here just um, uh, Daniel, God says, look at and though these three men were there, Noah, Daniel and Job, here's the calibre of Daniel. He's, he's, Noah was the saviour of the, pre, the world when it was flooded. Job, one of the wisest men of the east, and so forth, and he's mentioned there. And it's in Ezekiel. They alone would deliver themselves, but notice what it says, because of their own righteousness. These men had lived before God, they worked their lives out before him, and so what they did was they had, had um, been justified in God's sight, but this was their righteousness. They had 
the character of God in that sense. They had their own righteousness. They had that character. And when um, in uh, times of grass, he's cast into the... Uh, this is now Daniel. He's been in um, Babylon for 70 years. He's cast in the lion's den, but notice what the king says. The, the king understands that Daniel serves a living God and whom you serve continually. That was known of him in the highest circles of the land. He continually served God. And here, this last one, well, yes, he was delivered, but see what Daniel says. Because innocency was found in him before God, he lived his life out before God. And I've done thee no hurt. He loved God and he loved his neighbour. That was the person, Daniel. That's what he was like. And I looked there and I go, if I could be partly like Daniel, then um, uh, I feel pretty good about <laughs> our own life. But that's what we're called to be like. He was just a man. And then just running through his life, I just um, uh, there, um, of course he was taken captive at 17 and he finds himself in, in Babylon. He, he, he's 19 years old and he's able to call upon God and petition God and interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream for him in Daniel chapter 2. He, uh, when, and here's his age. And when he's 50, that's in Daniel chapter 4, and Nebuchadnezzar's going to be cast out and so forth, and that he urges the king to change his behaviour. Do this, Nebuchadnezzar. He, I mean, uh, there. He, um, in, in, he's 67 years, receives the vision of Daniel chapter 7, the vision of the four beasts, and that, that um, dominion and, and so forth, and so that dominion is taken away. He's 67. Then in, at 70 is Daniel chapter 8. That was when Gabriel came to him with the... Uh, the um, uh, last Sunday you would have looked at Daniel chapter 8 so he's about 70 years old when that happens uh, at 87 he interprets the writing on the wall at the end of Belshazzar um, that, he's 87 and now at, this is Daniel 9 he intercedes um, on behalf of the nation because they're going to, going to return and he's given the 70 weeks prophecy he's 88 years old and now we've come to this, uh, 89, he's cast into the lion's den, and um, he's 90 now. And when he receives this vision, it's a vision to comfort him. That's what the vision is, uh, what Daniel calls that vision forth. And when that vision comes to him, this vision and this word, it's to comfort him after all his years of faithful service. And just note particularly at the moment, and here's just <laughs> um, something, do you notice that most of that activity is in the last 30 years of his life, after he's 60? You know, a lot of time we think, oh, people get old and they just write them off. 
It wasn't that case in Daniel's day. Anyway, that's um, an aside. <laughs> but I can tell you now that if you're a, a just a little bit like Daniel, the older you get, the richer everything becomes. It's just a fact. Um, right, so Daniel's the cause of the vision. You see, um, so what we just, that's why we looked there. He's the cause of it. And what did he seek to understand? So what we want to know is what did he seek to understand? Why did he seek to understand? And what did he do about that? You see, he's 90. So what's he seeking to understand? Why is he seeking the vision? And what did he do? So Daniel 10, verse 12, if you look there, it says, Gabriel says to him when he comes to him in verse 12, then he said, don't fear, Daniel. From the first day you set your heart to understand and you chastened yourself before God. Well, your words were heard. As soon as you started that 21 days ago, your words were heard straight away. And later on in the chapter, Gabriel says to him, I was, just, I was held up for 21 days because I had a problem with the king of Persia. You know, the king's heart is in the hand of God. He turns it like a river of water. He says, look, but your words were heard straight away. So you see what Daniel did. He set his heart to understand. He chased himself before God. He mourned for three, four weeks. He ate no pleasant bread. No wine came to his mouth. He didn't even anoint himself. And his words came forth. Your words were heard. He made it a matter of prayer. He was fasting and praying. Ask and you shall receive. So what did he seek to understand? You see, if you go back, just to, uh, just go back to Daniel 9 verse 2. He understood, this is in Daniel 9, in the first year of, um, let's turn it here myself, Daniel, this is in the first year of Darius, and he understood by books from Jeremiah the prophet that 70 years was going to be accomplished on the people. So this is in, in um, chapter 9. He understands that there's been the 70 weeks of, of um, captivity is now nearing an end, and so he, he um, petitions God about the forgiveness for the nation. Um, so that's in the, Darius. In the... the after that, in the first year of Cyrus, which is three years prior to this vision, Cyrus um, gives the edict, just going back to Ezra chapter 1, for the return of the Jewish nation to the land. First year, Ezra chapter 1, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah that might be might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, his heart. He's just turned. And he gave information throughout all the kingdom and he put it in writing. So that was in the first year of Cyrus and now we're in the third year of Cyrus. It's just a few years on. So there's been a return to the land. Now, Daniel 8, just come back to Daniel 8 for a moment. Daniel received this vision 
20 years before this, Daniel 8. And you see, this is what's distressing him. You see what it says in Daniel chapter 8, verse 11. So there's a return. But now he's told in Daniel 8, verse 11, that the, 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 the nation is going to be cast down to the ground in verse 10. And, and, the, and, and, the, and the governing body is going to be stamped into the ground. And the daily sacrifice is going to be taken away. And the place of the sanctuary is going to be cast down. So even though there's a return, he already knows the future of the nation. That's what's going to happen. And then if you look um, over in verse 19, that was the Roman AD 70. But then in, um, in verse 19, behold, I'll, I'll um, go to the time, I'll, I'll, know, I'll let you know what shall be the last end of the indignation for the time appointed of the end. So we're down at that time again the time of the end. And of course your king was going to stand up, it's the king of the north, of fierce countenance. And he was going to destroy, in verse 24, the mighty and the holy people. The nation's going to be trodden down again. And Daniel knew that. The vision made him ill. In verse 27. The vision made him ill. So this is what he's seeking and fasting about. He wants to understand what's going to happen to the sanctuary and to his people. And so Gabriel says, now I'm coming to make you understand what will befall your people, Daniel 10 verse 14, in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. So I've come to make you understand You'll know what's going to happen. And Gabriel knows that Daniel's going to be comforted by it. And of course that, I'm, I'm going to make you know what shall be in the latter days in Daniel 11 verse 40. At the time in the end shall the king of the south push at him. Daniel 12, at the time Michael shall stand up, he stands um, for your people. It's the time in the end. And of course that, Daniel would come to understand that vision he saw in its initial phase was Michael standing up. Do you think that would have been a comfort to him? He's standing up for the children of your people? For the nation? Yes, there'll be treading downs. It's going to be great deliverance. He's in his last year. And, and so he's, he's shown that. He's shown the deliverance of the people. And not only that, go, and then chapter 12, and it says, go your way till the time of the end, and you will rest, and you will rise and receive your lot of inheritance. Not only will your nation be delivered, Daniel, but you yourself will be delivered from, from mortality. You'll receive your lot of inheritance. You'll put on immortality. You'll become part of that vision you saw. So can you see... What a comfort that would have been to Daniel. Because I was thinking about it coming in, just thinking about you're thinking about this, and you think, we just think, oh yes, Daniel, it's in Babylon. Well, you don't think he was just a teenager and he saw an army come through the land and people slain, people taken captive, people in chains, people dragged away to a foreign land. 
He'd experienced it so young in his life. And now he's being told it's going to happen again and again. And Gabriel comes to him and says, don't worry. The time of the end is going to be great deliverance. So you see, um, there's that aspect there. So that's, there's the vision. Now we, we just want to come now, so Gabriel then, what Gabriel then does is he just takes him through the next two and a half thousand years. So here is, um, and so this is, I think someone said that the speaker last week said that history simply um, fulfills Bible prophecy. Did you say that Ben? <laughs> Did you say that? Something like that? History is just fulfilling Bible prophecy. That's all it does. You know? And so what he does now, he says, this was the sure word. And so he, Daniel's told, well, this is going to be the history for the next two and a half thousand years. So there's Darius the Mede, and then there's Cyrus, the king of Persia, and after him came three other kings after that. That's what happened in history. There was Cambedes, Smyrdas, Darius, Hyspasis, and then there came Exerces, a very rich and powerful king who provoked and uh, provoked um, the nation of, of Greece. And of course, after that, there came um, Alexander the Great, who, who, who thrashed um, the Persian armies. Massive numbers of men with a much smaller force in these battles. And you look here, who was controlling the battles in the days? And of course, so out of that came um, uh, the Greek Empire. And then what happened, of course, that, um, uh, um, um, Alexander the Great it was just uh, 20 to 33, and then he died. And of course, then it says, it says there in, um, here that his kingdom would be broken and be divided to the four winds. And of course, that was a division of his kingdom to his generals. And they listed up there, like the most Cassandra, Ptolemy, and Seleucus. It was divided there. And then, of course, it runs down into their empires because out of that came two empires. And that's what's called in Daniel 11, backs and forwards, the king of the north, the king of the south, the king of the north, the king of the south. And so what happens is Gabriel takes Daniel through 300 years of absolute detailed history. This will happen in this year. After a few days, this will happen. Um, he shall continue more years than the king of the north. After certain years with a great army he will come. In those times that many shall stand up. Within a few days he shall be destroyed. It's the end of the appointed time. And so forth. At the appointed time he shall return. So you see in Daniel 11 you can go through and you can see these two kings going back and forth. The king of the north, the king of the south, the king of the north, the king of the south. But it's absolutely detailed in its days and years and times. And there's, uh, there was divine control. We can take a lesson from there. There was absolute divine control right down to the smallest details of a few days. And then, of course, <coughs> in Daniel, it talks about the king of the north, the king of the south, the king of the north, the king of the south. You can colour that in Daniel 11, those ideas. You see it straight away. And then it talks about another king. And, of course, this was the king was the rise of Rome. And, 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 uh, and, and of course that happened down in history. This other king came forth. It was Roman, it's religious, with its um, 
religious domination, both in East and West, with a capital in Rome and a capital in Constantinople. But then when we come, then Gabriel then comes down, and he says, this is now after, um, uh, into AD 70, he says, now is the time of the end. The king of the south is going to push at him, and it's referring to the king in the previous um, uh, four verses. The king of the south is going to push at him, and of course this happened when Britain became, uh, uh, took Egypt, and like, this is just an aside, but Dr Thomas wrote about this, he says, I don't know what's going to happen, but Britain will be forced to take Egypt. He took it straight out of the word. And so that's what happened. Britain came in and was in possession of Egypt in 1970 in the First World War and pushed back up against the Constantinople, the occupier of Constantinople, which of course by that time had become the Muslims, pushed against the King of the North. And then trans that caused the transformation of that um, uh, map and the return of Israel to the land. Um, and of course that brings us down now to the king of the south shall push at him and then the king of the north shall come against him with a whirlwind. So that's against the occupier of Constantinople and that's down right down to our time now the rise of Russia and, and the Confederacy, which will push against Constantinople. When he takes, the Gogan force takes Constantinople, he becomes the king of the north to fulfil that prophecy, that span of prophecy. The Daniel showed that. We can just look back in its history. We can just see right there from 1917 back, two and a half thousand years of history. And so that uh, brings there. Now, just uh, just talk about the I'll just just watch the time. Just talk about the language of the prophecy. It's a river. So all the way through Daniel eleven, it's about a river overflowing backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. You know, it's uh, Daniel eleven ten. They'll overflow and they'll pass through the land. They they shall be swept away. Eleven twenty two, eleven twenty six. Um, um, they, his army shall overflow. So it's like a river that's overflowing its banks backwards and forwards. But Daniel's shown that even though that river floods, it's, God's in absolute control of it. There's an angel on the bank controlling the events. And, um, and of course we come down to our own day, at the time of the end shall the king of the south push him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and horses, many ships, and he'll enter into, the, into, um, into countries, and he shall overflow and pass through the land. The king of the north, just doing what the king of the north historically has ever done. But it's in our own day. So... Um, I just want to just talk about for a couple of minutes the certainty of things and why it's so certain. And um, and um, the absolute certainty of the angel on either side of the bank. I want to just talk about that for a moment. Now, if we just turn to Acts chapter 17 for a moment. And Paul's 
the Apostle Paul's in, um, in, on Mars Hill and he's, and he's giving a history to the, um, the Greeks about the Bible. And you see, he says there in verse 26, God has made of one blood, that's Adam, all nations. And notice what he says to dwell on the face of the earth. But notice what he says, and he has determined the times appointed and the bounds of their habitation. It's already been determined. It's, it's already determined. Well, that's how God controls his creation. It's just working to a plan. It's already worked out. It just tells us that right there. The times appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Now, if we just come back to Daniel seven, Daniel 4 for a moment, I just want to illustrate that, just quickly illustrate that, in the case of Nebuchadnezzar. Just come back to Daniel 4. Because what happened was he had a dream of his own empire and um, and of its, what it would happen to his empire and, and what would roll into the future. So he's given this dream of a great big tree and its height reaches under heaven and this, um, uh, it's a shelter to all others. It represents Nebuchadnezzar's empire at the time. And of course down um, it says there... Um, I can just find the verse there. Um, he sees in the dream, verse 17, a decree. He sees a watcher and a holy one come down and tell him to hew down, the tree's going to be hewn down. And the animal's going to get themselves out from under it. It's going to be banded with brass and iron. That's what happened historically um, to, to the um, religious side of Babylon. But it happened to Nebuchadnezzar himself. He, he, he uh, contracted a disease, lycanthropy, and he had to go out and he, he acted like a beast until seven times had passed over him. But I just want to show you something for a moment. Just come to Daniel 2. When Daniel interprets a demon, Daniel chapter 2, he tells Nebuchadnezzar something that he just didn't hear. So in Daniel 2 verse 44, uh, he, when he's interpreting the dream to to Nebuchadnezzar, he, he says this, um, that's verse 37, he, he's telling them that he's the head of gold, now listen to these words, thou O king art a king of kings, the God of heaven has given you a kingdom and power and glory, that's who gave it to you, you're a man of destiny and God gave you that, but just come to Daniel 4 for a moment and see what Nebuchadnezzar said. He's walking in his palace. He's done amazing things for a man. He's been a general over an army. He's built massive buildings and, and, um, and the hanging gardens of Babylon, all this. And you see what he says there? The king said in verse 30, this isn't this great Babylon that I built for the house, uh, I built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power, by the honour of my majesty. Have, look what I've built. And while he said that, that's what came upon him. He went out and ate grass like an ox and so forth. But you see what he says, and he had to learn something. He learned something there. See in verse 34, At the end of days, I never can lift up my eyes to heaven. My understanding returned to me. I blessed the Most High. I praised and honoured him, lived forever. And see what he says in verse 35, All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He doeth according to his will in the host of heaven. He had seen one come down, a watcher and an holy one. He does his will 
in the house of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand. See, Nebuchadnezzar learned that God ruled. He had to go through that process to come to understand it. And you see, here we were told, of course, the times of the national existence, the times and the boundaries of the nations had already been determined. And of course, that Paul went on to say, well, but also there's been appointed a day in which God's going to judge the world. He's going to govern the world in righteousness by a man whom he's raised from the dead. He's appointed a day either a single day or a period of time. It's been appointed. And so just talking out there, here's the angels either side of the banks of the river. You come back to Daniel 10 for a moment and see what Gabriel says to Daniel. Daniel 10 and verse 21. See what Daniel says. This is what I find this interesting. Oh, um, you know, verse 20, you know why I've come to you. You've, you've petitioned, you know why I'm here. What you are asking to understand about your people in the future, what's going to happen to your people in the sanctuary. But see what he says. So Daniel, I'm going to show you what's noted, what the AB says, the scripture of truth. I'm going to show you what's written in the scripture of truth. The NASB says, which is inscribed in the writing of truth. Or the NIV says, what's written in the book of truth. So Daniel, what I'm going to do is, I'm simply going to read out of the manual I've got here about what's going to happen to the nations. It's already been worked out and foreordained. And so... That's what he does. So we see the control of the nations and that God is in control at all times. We sometimes think, well, there's a delay. What's happening? What's happening? There seems to be a delay and there's never any delay. That's simply how we see it. So um, there's that, um, the, the two men either side of the river. But of course... He, um, in Acts chapter 17 he says he's appointed the day in which he's going to judge the world um, by that man whom he hath ordained and that he's raised him from the dead and of course that takes us straight back to the first vision of the man of the one over the river here he is, he's over the river he's going to judge or govern the world in righteousness that's what Daniel saw and of course um, He's um, described there, he's, he's um, Daniel understands the power and the glory of um, that ruler, Christ and the saints, the man of the one, the multitudinous Christ. He experiences the power and glory of that one when he's simply cast to the ground. And then, of course, just... Um, I haven't got it there. Uh, I don't think. Yes, yes. Uh, but you see, you've got seven things. And you know what's wonderful about that is you can go straight to the centre and see, well, what's the centre of the seven? And of course, his face was like lightning. Imagine looking into a face that's like lightning. It's, lightning's not as bright as the sun, but it's hotter than the sun where it is. 
And so this man's clothed in, in, in linen. He's, he, he's got the character of, of God. He's clothed in righteousness. He's going to act in a righteous manner. It's fine linen, pure and white. He's girded with, with, with a girdle of gold because he's come out of time where his faith has been tested in a probationary period. That's one aspect of that girdle. That's how he came to be where he is now. His faith was tested and came forth as gold. The burial represents his body of burial to break and subdue. It speaks of judgment and another aspect that's speaking of priesthood. He's a priest as well as a king. Lightning, he sends out bolts of lightning. It means he can make war and subdue nations. His eyes are a lamp of fire like tears, fountains boiling up and he can flash forth in anger and judgment as he will at Armageddon when fury comes up in his face and the Gogan host is decimated in the land with hailstones and fury and so forth. Lamps of fire, his arms and feet of brass walking because he walking and working. Polished brass come out of a, at the Adamic line. It's polished and now it's perfected. He walk, walks perfectly before God. He works perfectly on the deity's behalf in perfection. It's the voice of a multitude. It's the voice of all those who have responded to the gospel in their generations from Adam on and have gone through that process and have made themselves prepared and ready for that day and that they are perfected now in immortality. So, um, my friends... <laughs> There's some thoughts. You think that comforted Daniel? Well, you're going to stand in your lot and you're going to receive your allotted inheritance. Daniel knew what that was. He saw that vision. He experienced the power of the future when he was cast to the ground. He was comforted in that. And he was comforted because when he went through the... This is just when he was cast to the ground, the angel came to him and he says, Daniel... Uh, the, his name you're a man greatly beloved first name Daniel and then of course he was comforted because he had, um, Gabriel had showed him what was going to happen in the future and that um, when um, that man of the one stood up he was going to stand up for the children of your people and the nation was going to be delivered mm -hmm.